Chapter Two of The Rover Boys Out West by Arthur M. Winfield. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Two Something About the Rover Boys. The Rover Boys were three in number, Dick being the oldest, Tom coming next, and Sam the youngest. In their younger days, they had resided with their parents in New York, but after the death of their mother, and the disappearance of their father they had gone to live with their uncle randolph rover and their aunt martha on a farm called valley brook near the village of dexter corners on the swift river those who have read the previous volumes of this series entitled respectively the rover boys at school the rover boys on the ocean and the rover boys in the jungle know that our three heroes had already passed through many trying experiences and thrilling adventures from home they had been sent to putnam hall a military academy of high standing and here they had made many friends including those already mentioned and several enemies among the latter being one dan baxter who was known as the school bully and john fenwick better known as mumps the bully's toady they had also made a bitter enemy of josiah crabtree the headmaster of the hall but since those first days at the school many things had happened and many changes had occurred it was discovered that dan baxter was the son of one arnold baxter a rascal who had years before tried to swindle the rover boy's father out of some valuable mining property in the west and that the son was little better than his parent Dan had left the school in a hurry, and soon after this his father had been arrested in Albany for a daring office robbery, and was now in jail in consequence. The disappearance of Dan, and Josiah Crabtree's yearning for wealth, had led to further complications. Near Putnam Hall resides the widow Stanhope and her pretty daughter Dora, and Crabtree, who exerted a sort of hypnotic power over the widow, tried to get the lady to marry him, so that he might obtain the fortune she held in trust for her daughter. But how the Rover boys fooled the grasping teacher, and how Dora was saved from the plot Crabtree and Dan Baxter hatched up against her, has already been told in The Rover Boys on the Ocean. Anderson Rover had gone to Africa to locate certain mines in that country, and when many years passed and no word came from him, the three boys grew worried and wanted to go in search of him. At last came a strange letter written by a sea captain, containing some important information, and acting on this, the Rover boys, accompanied by their uncle Randolph, set out for the heart of the dark continent to find the long lost. On the way, they fell in with one Alexander Pop, who had formerly been a waiter at Putnam Hall, who proved a valuable friend when it came to dealing with men of his own ebony hue. In this hunt, they likewise ran across Josiah Crabtree, who was out with an exploring party from Yale, and with Dan Baxter, and both of these rascals tried to do them much harm but the schemes of the rascals fell through and crabtree only escaped after a severe whipping at the hands of dick rover while dan baxter fared little better soon after this mr rover was found as a prisoner of a savage african tribe and rescued and then the entire party returned to the united states 
Alexander Pop remained in the employ of the two elder Rovers, and the three boys returned to finish the term at Putnam Hall. These are a few of the things that had happened, but there were countless others, which space will not permit being mentioned here. There had been many contests in baseball, football, and other sports, and jokes that seemed to have no end, and there had also been a disastrous fire, which none of the Putnam Hall cadets were likely ever to forget, a fire as thrilling as the scene now being enacted on the road. But I am afraid I have already left the boys in the runaway stage too long, so we will return to them without further delay. The bridge is down! The cry rang through the stage, bringing every cadet to his feet on the instant. Don't jump, cried Dick, as he saw several preparing to leap. You will break your necks. For now the bushes were left behind, and on either side of the road were jagged rocks, covered here and there with withered vines. As Dick spoke, he pushed his way to the front of the stage and crawled out on the driver's seat. The back! Drop off at the back! came from Frank Harrington, and he showed how it could be done. But the road was now rougher than ever, and he landed on his knees and his face, giving himself an ugly cut on the chin. Dick was trying to reach the reins when Tom came down beside him. "'Can you make it?' asked Tom. "'I could try,' was the desperate answer. "'If only we could block those wheels!' "'Block the wheels!' came from half a dozen, and one boy, who happened to have a stout cane with him, thrust it out between several of the spokes of the wheel on the left, in the rear. For an instant, the stick held. Then it snapped, and the wheel went around as before. The bridge was now less than two hundred feet away, and whatever was to be accomplished must be done quickly. At last, Dick had the reins, and he began to pull upon them with all of his strength, at the same time calling upon Tom to hold him to the seat. "'To the right! Turn him to the right!' sang out Sam, as he saw a narrow opening between the rocks. "'Yes, the right!' added Fred Garrison. "'It is our only hope!' Dick did as requested, and at the last instant the heavy stage swung around. There was a grinding and a splitting of wood as the front wheels met the rocks and went to pieces, and then Dick came down on the horses with Tom on top of him and the elder rover knew no more. "'Dick's hurt!' gasped Sam, as he scrambled out of the side window of the turnout. "'Don't let the horses kick him!' For the runaway team were struggling wildly amid the rocks and the wreck of the harness. But Tom was already up, and he and Larry Colby dragged Dick to a place of safety. In the meantime, some of the other cadets, who were used to managing horseflesh, took care of the team, and led them away, and tied them fast to a tree. "'Dick! Dick! Are you badly hurt?' the question came from Tom, as he gazed anxiously into his brother's face. There was a nasty cut on the left cheek, from which the blood was flowing. Dick did not answer, and Tom asked somebody to run down to the stream for some water. When this was brought, he and Sam bathed Dick's face, and presently the latter opened his eyes and stared around him in bewilderment. 
A touchdown, I claim, he began, and then stopped. What, what has happened, he stammered. Oh, I remember now, and he fell back again. He thinks he's still in the football game, whispered Harry Blossom. Oh, but he's a plucky one. All of the other lads had been severely shaken up, but nobody had been hurt excepting Frank, as before mentioned. Soon he came limping up, followed by Peleg Snuggers. I missed it by jumping, he observed ruefully. Hello, is Dick knocked out? So you stopped him, eh? cried the general utility man. It was prime plucky to do it, so it was. Poor Dick, hope he ain't bad. By this time, Dick was opening his eyes once more, and this time he kept them open. I, I, that was a nasty tumble, wasn't it? he muttered. I'm glad I didn't go under the horse's feet. How do you feel? I guess I had the wind knocked out of me, that's all. He tried to get up, but his legs refused to support him. I'll have to keep quiet a while. Yes, don't you move, said Sam. We can't get across the stream anyway. Now the bridge is down. We'll have to go around to the other bridge. It's queer the workmen didn't put up some sort of a sign as a warning, said Fred Garrison. I believe they can be held liable for this disaster. To be sure, they can be held liable, burst out Peleg Snuggers. But a sign wouldn't have kept the brake from breaking, said Tom. True, lad, but you must remember that it was their duty to put the sign up at the beginning of this road, which is on the top of the hill. If the sign had been there, we would never have started to come down this way. Perhaps we missed the sign, put in another cadet. Of dat is so, we besser run pack on stop other carriages from coming this way, broke in Hans Mueller quickly. Listen to that. They all listened and heard merry cries of laughter and carriage wheels rapidly approaching. A carriage with ladies, gasped Sam. Come on and stop them. And away he dusted up the hill as well as his short legs would carry him. Hans, Larry, and several others followed. They had barely gained the top of the hill when a large carryall belonging to John Laney appeared. In the carryall were the farmer and his two charming daughters, and Mrs. Stanhope, who was his sister-in-law, and her daughter Dora. Mrs. Laney was also present, along with several neighbors. "'Hi! Whoa! Stop!' yelled Sam. "'Stop!' Hurrah for Putnam Hall, cried Grace Laning, waving a tiny flag toward Sam, which made the younger rover blush. Glad to be able to congratulate you, Sam, said Dora Stanhope. Where are the other members of the football team? Just ahead, down by the gully. You mustn't drive down here, for the bridge is down. Bridge? Down? ejaculated John Laning. Darwell said he was going to mend it this week, but I saw no sign up at the crossroads. Neither did we, and we came near to going overboard. As it is, we had a pretty bad smash-up. Indeed, came from Mrs. Stanhope in alarm, and was anybody hurt? 
Dick was thrown out and knocked unconscious, and Frank Harrington had his chin cut, while the rest of us were pretty well shaken up. Peleg the driver was thrown into some brushwood, and that most likely saved his life. Mrs. Stanhope grew pale, for she remembered only too well that fateful ride she had once taken with Josiah Crabtree, which had almost cost both of them their lives. I will go to the poor boy, she said, and leapt to the ground, followed by Dora and the two laning girls. Soon the carryall was led to the side of the road, and the others alighted to see what damage had been done. End of chapter 2